Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good morning. Welcome once again to another edition of More Outdoors. Got a great program lined up. We're going to close it out next hour with a couple of our fellow Louisiana Outdoor Rider Association members, Keith Lusher and Wendy, the Bayou Woman Bill Yacht, president of Louisiana Outdoor Riders Association, talking about some suggestions for Christmas gifts. If you've got sportsmen on your Christmas gift, uh, we're going to give you some ideas and also some ideas about holiday menu using wild game and or fish and seafood. But this hour, we're going to talk about a couple of issues coming up next half hour. We're going to talk about the derelict crab trap program. That's been ongoing, and we'll tell you the details of when, where, how you can get involved in that activity. But right now we're going to talk with Neil Lalland. He is with the Department of Interior, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refuges. They have uh, sent out some information that they will be accepting comments on a proposed public use permit fees. And he's here to explain it. If you've got any questions, we welcome your calls at 504-260-6368. Or you're welcome to text message your, your question or comment into us at 870-870. Neil, thank you for taking time on a foggy Saturday morning to talk to us about this. We appreciate it. Good morning, Don. How are you? We're doing well. If you would, first explain to people who may be hearing this for the first time, why is this proposal being done? Uh, what is the situation with funding and maintenance and what goes on on our national wildlife refuges? So, Don, over the last uh, several decades, we um, have taken some considerable uh, cuts in budgets, and uh, with those cuts in budgets came a considerable cut in staffing levels. Um, We we are uh, currently Southeast Louisiana Refuges administers nine refuges in Southeast Louisiana. Um, If we go back into the mid-'90s, that complex only had five refuges, and at that time we had 32 employees. Today, with nine refuges, uh, we're managing over 190,000 acres and over 15,000 square miles. We have 20 full-time employees. So um, we've seen um, tremendous cuts in budgets and staffing, and um, that has um, inhibited us from being able to um, you know, provide the maintenance we need on our refuges, on our boardwalks, our trails, our launches, our parking areas, even our habitat and our infrastructure. Um, so we're proposing a, uh, a fee-based public use permit, and um, currently you're required to our, our hunting our hunters are required to have a uh, annual hunting permit, which is free. Um, but we're moving or proposing to move toward a fee-based public use permit. And basically, that would include all users. Um, so if um, whether you are Hunting, fishing, trapping, cabbing, wildlife observation, wildlife photography, bird watching, hiking, boat boat launches, um, ATV trails on at Cat Island National Wildlife Refuge. Basically, everything's in, in, encapsulated uh, into a permit. Um, we are proposing two separate permits for the entire complex, just because putting nine sets of regulations together would would be fairly large 
for someone. Um, but we've kind of broken it up between uh, the, the eastern half and the western half of the refuge. So um, the refuges on one permit would be Bayou Sauvage, Big Branch, Bogachita, Breton, and Delta. Um, the other permit would include Baitesh, Cat Island, and Mandalay National Wildlife Refuges. So the way we have proposed the structure, um, everyone between the ages of 18 and 59, it would be $20 for an annual permit. Uh, youth are free, and uh, if you're over the age of 59 or 69 and older, it would cost you $5 for an annual permit. Um, we've also taken into consideration of people visiting our refuges that come from out of town that just want to be here for a day. So there is an option for a $5 public use permit. Um, and that structure is the same, like I said, in the east or the west side. Um, methods of payment um, would be online vendors as well as over-the-counter. They're at our headquarters in Lacombe, Louisiana, uh, 6139 Highway 434. And uh, we are also proposing to work with other approved sales outlets. That could be local vendors in various towns throughout southeast Louisiana. Um, things that are free but would not require um, you to, to have an annual permit for our environmental education programs that we do throughout the complex. Um, several of our interpretive programs, uh, like our canoe tours at Bayou Lacombe, Bayou, Bayou, uh, Bayou Trek, Breakfast with the Birds at Bayou Sauvage, Nature Explorers, um, Homeschool Days, Wonderful Woodpeckers, other programs that we offer um, through volunteer staff. Um, we also are not proposing to charge anything to do any any related activities at our headquarters site there in Lacombe. We have a beautiful um, administrative site as well as a visitor center we're very proud of, and there's over two miles of trails. Um, visitors could come out to that particular, uh, to, to the to Bayou Lacombe uh, headquarters, and they would not be charged. Um, other things Neil, such uh, as... Uh, go ahead. Bayou, Bayou Gordon's Open House... Uh, but we should fishing rodeo, wild things, various things that basically they would not they would not be uh, charged for the general public. Um, uh, we, with the hunting uh, and fishing licenses, um, you know we are, fishing licenses go June to June, the end of June. Uh, it says on your paperwork that you are if this goes through, you'll be starting this in September of 2020. What would be the calendar year for this permit? When do you want them to – When obviously it's starting at a separate time than hunting and fishing licenses, but when will this go through and when should it – if it goes through, when will it be – will it coincide with hunting and fishing licenses or will it be a calendar January 1st to the end of the or year? Or will it be a year from the date you buy it to right. the, the year a year later? How will that work? So, so this whole process takes about six to eight months. That's why we're, we're asking for public comment. This goes to our regional office and that goes to headquarters for approval. Um, we are hoping to have it in place by September 1, but we, we, do, we are open to suggestions right now. I think we, we actually have options as to whether it is 365 days or it goes from one particular day to another. Um, that We have not firmed that up, and we are, we are accepting comments on that one. Uh, Neil, uh, I guess they, your, your, your bean counters uh, probably have figured out, uh, based on the number of, of estimated uses, what this will generate in, in funds. Do you have a figure on that? What 
will this generate if passed in its present form where you've got $20 annual, $5 dailies, and then also the $40 for the alligator? What should that turn back to the uh, Southeast Louisiana Refuges Complex? Yeah, we're thinking this is going to turn back a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand dollars annually. And um, the one thing that is unique, this is not allocated funds. One hundred percent of these dollars come directly back to our stations and will go directly back on refuges. Um, there's no administrative cut that goes somewhere else, um, and um, it, it's it would be put to very good use. Yeah, and it sounds like you know when, when people when you first see a twenty dollar fee. You know, there, there's inevitably going to be people that push back and say, well, that's, you know, close to a fishing license per year. That's just a lot of money to go to one place. But you did mention we have nine parks. So when you divvy that money up, if you do get that $100,000, that's that's just a little over ten grand per refuge if you were to do that evenly per year. So $1,000 a month roughly to each park is not that much money when you think about repairs and, and that sort of thing and em- employing staff to keep it there. So... Really, I don't think it's a lot to ask if you if you break it down area by area. I'm sure, you know, more money will go to whatever is needed. But when you think about it in that sense, it's really not a massive number. No, and it's not. Um, and then, you know, there are several, I should say most, of your public lands do charge some type of entry fee um, on, um, across the country, you know, whether it's the national parks or uh, forest service properties or whatnot. And there are uh, many of our refuges do have some type of fee-based system. Um, and it's uh, we were given the authority back in 1997, and um, we just haven't um, – we, we never moved in this direction until now because it's, uh, it's we're kind of in a dire need for it. Well, it's been my experience with uh, fees put in by Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries that the users don't mind it. But they do require that that money be used for the purpose that it's paid for. Um, and, you know, if there was some kind of way that that guarantee would be written into it, if it's a proposal or a law or whatever, it has to be a policy, that that money will strictly be used for the things that you mentioned, for maintenance of boardwalks and informational information and enforcement even and you know, maintaining roads and any boat launches that may be on it. I don't think people have a problem with it at all. But when they hear that the money's been diverted for other uses totally unrelated, they they feel like they've been ripped off. What would be the guarantee that that money would stay there, particularly in southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refuges, and not put into some bigger fund that may fund projects even out of state since it's all federal? Um, well, we're required by policy, of course, to track this money and to use it the way it's intended. So all of these funds have to be used to go back toward recreation, 100%. I can't deviate from that. None of these dollars will go outside of our complex, out of these nine refuges. Um, but the, the funds come directly to us. They don't go through any other channel, and they reside with us. The other thing that helps a little bit with these dollars is uh, – these are what we call no-year money. So in the federal system, we get an allocated budget some, some years, um, but they have to be spent within that fiscal year. These dollars will be able to carry over fiscal year lines. It will allow us to do things even if we have a, um, you know, if, if there are an is, is there an issue in funding in the federal government, these dollars will allow yeah, we're gonna, us to continue uh... We're going to take a short break. Uh, we've got a couple questions being sent in uh, that kind of really uh, explain the difference between this and hunting licenses that we'll, we'll 
attack when we get back. We'll just take a quick break. Stay on the line with us, and we'll be right back. And on the line with us is Neil Lalonde of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, the Southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refuges Complex, talking about the proposed public use permit fees that are proposed. And we're going to let him give you some information on how you can comment. They're looking for public comments, and uh, we seem to be getting quite a few. And you can do it officially with a public comment form, or you can show up in person, and there's a couple of more public hearings that will be held. They've already had a few. Neil, uh, one of the questions that have come in, and I think people are looking at this and relating it to the state system of wildlife management areas, uh, someone wants to know, uh, is there any matching funds for this? You know, in the case of uh, Louisiana license sales for hunting and fishing, uh, based on your license sales, you get matching funds from the federal government, from uh, the Wallet Bro Fund and the Dingle Johnson Fund. Is there any match, federal match, based on the amount of public use permits that will be sold that would increase the, the revenue that would come in? No, Don, there is no match for this. And that's one of the things typically if, if it's a state program, there can be a federal match, but very rarely is there a federal federal match. Right. So unfortunately, we also have it some... will be just about it. Got it. Someone wants to know about discounts for military or retired military. So there are a variety of federal passes. The America the Beautiful has an annual pass. There's a senior pass, a senior lifetime pass, a military pass, an access pass, every kid outdoor pass, even our migratory bird and conservation stamp. So these these are all national passes that can be purchased and or free. They will allow you to do a variety of things in lieu of our annual permit, except for hunting and fishing. None of those passes include hunting and fishing. Um, and they do not also include anything lifetime. For instance, I'm a lice, I'm Don and I are both lifetime hunting fishing licensees. This is separate from that. So if you do have a lifetime license, this or if you are a senior over sixty, you still have to get your annual. Or daily pass. It's just five dollars for seniors and twenty dollars for eighteen to fifty-nine. Correct. Yeah, the that lifetime is, license. Correct. The lifetime license for hunting and fishing covers entries and uses on WMAs, which is state property. And people need to no, notice that this is different. It's just federal property instead of state, so it comes under different jurisdiction. Uh, Neil, what about access? What is considered access? Some of our national wildlife refuges have public roads that go through them, and also waterways. If someone is not actually using the refuge but transversing through it, would they be required to have a permit? No, they would not. Anybody that is a, if we call it, we would say a transient visitor, if you will, they're passing through the refuge, whether it's on a highway, uh, even even our roads and uh, our waterways, um, public state water bottoms, as long as they are not exiting the vehicle, their boat, partaking in other activities, they are not required to have a permit. Got it. We have another text in, Neil. Um, someone wants to know about enforcement. Who and how will this be enforced? So as is our current hunting permits, which are currently free, um, if any of our visitors have ever been in, stopped by our federal wildlife officers, they are asked for their ID and their, their signed hunting permit. Um, this would be very similar. Um, when our officers would approach you, you they would ask you for your, your permit and we will be accepting all, all whether it's written and signed, if you have a digital copy, any as long as they can produce that they have their permit. Um, 
Neil, uh, we didn't uh, talk about the alligator lottery. Explain how that's going to work. So we're also proposing um, a alligator lottery harvest program, um, very similar to which the state of Louisiana is managing some of their alligator tags on uh, public on the WMAs and public lakes. Um, we're proposing uh, this program on a Chafalaya, by Savage, by Utesh, Branch Marsh, Bogachita, Cat Island, Delta, and Mandalay. The only refuge, obviously, we're not proposing is Brighton because there are no alligators out on the Chandelier. Um, but um, the proposal is, is um, you know, we have been meeting with the state, and it would we, we are proposing something very similar to what they were doing, um, where there would be a lottery. There's a set number of tags and a set number of hunters uh, per refuge per year. Uh, they would apply. Uh, tags would be proposed to be $40, which is exactly the same the state is, is using. And we're proposing three to five tags per, per individual. And what is being done now with the alligator harvest on refuge properties? So Mandalay is the only refuge in our complex that actually has um, approved alligator harvest program. Um, and then it's more traditional on the large-scale commercial take of alligators. Um, and uh, the refuge, it goes out for bid every couple of years, um, and it's the refuge is broken into two. Um, the rest of our refuges currently, we have been dealing only with nuisance alligators. Um, but, you know, the state of Louisiana has been managing this renewable natural resource since 1972, I think they're doing a really good job doing that. Um, but we've seen the price of alligator hides come down tremendously. Um, so there's, 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 there's a problem with the large-scale um, commercial hunt of alligators where it's just not – there's no money left in it. But there, we believe there are a ton of uh, sports men and women in this great state and around the nation that would love to have the opportunity to come take a, a few alligators on a national wildlife refuge. Absolutely. Neil, uh, we, we talked about a lot of different things that are yet to be decided, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to hear about the public comment that's invited to get the public involved and things that whether military discount should be given, whether it's a 365-day or if it runs from a certain date to date like the licenses do. There's a lot of things that need to be details that need to be hammered out. If someone wants to have their opinion heard, maybe they're opposed to fees altogether, or maybe they think they're too low and would be willing to pay more, how do they get those comments to the people who will be making the decisions on the final proposal? So we had six a total of six uh, public meetings. We had four this past week. We were in Picayune, Mississippi on Tuesday. We were in Franklin, uh, Louisiana on uh, Wednesday. We were in Plaque. We were in Beerus on Thursday. We were in St. Francisville last night. Um, we're expecting a fairly large turnout on the the, the 17th um, at our office in Lacombe. It's 613-6138. 61389 Highway 434, our headquarters. And then we'll also be on December 18th. We'll be in New Orleans on, off of Reed Boulevard at the Orleans Regional Library. All of these meetings are at 5 p.m. Now, we're accepting comment in, in written comments only, please. That way it all becomes part of the system. 
You can also mail them or bring them to myself, Attention Project Leader, and they need to go to our office in Lacombe, 61389 Highway 434. And they need to all be in or postmarked no later than January the 9th of 2020. And what should the nature of these comments be? What type of comments are you inviting? All comments? Uh, with All fine comments. details good, to, you know. Good, bad, indifferent. You know, we we love it. We hate it. We, we think it's good, but we think we, you should do this versus that, you know. Uh, we've gotten we've gotten a variety of good comments already, and we will we will take every all of that into consideration when we formally um, propose this move this proposal up for for approval or disapproval. Right. So you would think that the the final proposal will be finished by when, and then the program to um, start on like September first. Yeah, we're hoping we're hoping by uh, middle of August. This is. You know, we, we there's a decision. The ultimate decision lies in uh, in headquarters with uh, with us in um, in um, in DC. And so the, the the purchase target date would be July, in time to get it to start in September. That's correct. We're we're trying. We, we would like to have an in place for where um, you know all of our visitors have time. Um, they're not rushing to make sure they have that. And we will take that in consideration. We wouldn't have it approved on one day and expect a week later to for our visitors to have this in place. You know, we understand we, this is it's a transition if it gets approved. We just got a text in from a listener that says, it sounds like the onus is on the hunting and fishing user based on the exemptions just listed. Why not spread it out to other users? I, I don't see it that way. I mean, there's a lot of uses that, will require this permit, not just the hunters and fishermen, correct? That's correct. And that's one of the things, you know, we, we bounced this around and we looked at how other refuges are doing it throughout the nation. And there are, you know, it, it's far and wide. There are very similar where it's all public uses, which we're proposing. Um, there are some that were proposed just to consumptive users. There were some that were just hunting and fishing. You know, but our hunters and fishermen have, um, we have been the backbone of conservation throughout history and yeah, um, this there includes are a lot of a wildlife photography bird watching hiking basically just anything you would do on the premise that's correct it's not just hunting and fishing um, now those other those other passes are set nationally that i discussed so we don't have that option to change those and it just so that but they they're in lieu of but you're correct so that includes uh, wildlife observation Bird watching, hiking, uh, ATV trails, boat launch, you know, there's there's a variety of things that people come do on our national wildlife refuges. And everyone will be subject to the public use permit. Okay, thanks. Neil, I think we, we pretty much covered it. If someone has more information, they need to come out to one of those meetings. And on the website, give us the website if someone wants to take a look at the layout of the whole proposal as it is. Um, you can Google... Um, uh, well, it is www.fws.gov backslash refuge, and then you can go to backslash Big Branch March. Um, and there is a link to the proposal on our website, and um, well, you can take a look at it there. I think it's uh, worth a minute 
explaining to people who have never visited a Louisiana, particularly a southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refuge, we have some absolute treasures that we should be very happy to have and, and, and really be very supportive of to keep them the way they are because there's some just gorgeous properties, some pristine property and also some property that's very unique habitat that you're not going to find in other places. And we've got we've got a little bit of all of it here. It's well worth people taking a visit and the time to go check these places out. I agree 100%, Don. Well, Neil, thanks again. We appreciate it. And, uh, you know, let us know uh, as this develops if, you know, if there's anything further that the public needs to know other than the comment period and if, in fact, it does uh, pass or fail or what format it comes out with. We'll, we'll be standing by to keep the listeners alert. We thank you for coming on. Thank you, and hope everybody has a great Saturday. Thank you. All right, thank you. That's Neil Lalonde of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, Southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Refuges Complex. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about another project that's coming up. This one is, uh, you know, did you know that crab traps were derelicts? Did you know that? They got some <laughs> I've seen derelicts. some pretty rough ones out yeah, there. well, they need to come out of the water, and we got a plan to help do that. We're going to be talking uh, to Peyton Cagle. He's the project leader for this year's derelict crab trap removal program it's nasty dirty hard work but uh i need you some people to do it and it'll help yourself we'll explain the whole thing to you coming back after this time out you listen to more outdoors wwl 105.3 fm hd2 we also live stream at radio.com and don the outdoors Martha, you've heard about the uh, derelict crab traps out there. You know what they do? They're bad. They're bad actors. Uh, I know they get in prop lines. I know they uh, create <laughs> havoc on the worse. water. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's kind of a cycle of death. What happens is if they're unmarked and they get away and there's no way that they're known, they become what they call a ghost trap. Crabs get in them. The fish go in to get the crabs to eat them. The fish die, and guess what that does? Provides bait for more crabs to go in. Yeah, so it's, it's a cycle. cycle of death. And they've even found some marine mammals like nutria and otters uh, will go in there and get trapped. Got to get them out. Yeah, and uh, certainly if you've ever had one in a prop and on a nasty, cold, muddy day, it's no fun getting it out of there. Well, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries over the last several years has put together these crab trap cleanup events. They ask for volunteers, and they do specific areas. And to tell us all about the upcoming one for 2020 is Peyton Cagle with Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. Peyton, thanks for being with us to talk about this very important project. No, thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Tell us the details on the plans for this year. Where will they be conducted, and what do volunteers need to know if they're going to participate? Yeah, so we're going to have uh, a total of six cleanups this uh, this uh, coming year between February and March. Uh, there's going to be two different events in the Pontchartrain Basin. Uh, there'll be another one in Barataria, one in Terrebonne, one in Vermilion, and another over in Calcasieu. So each basin across the state is going to have their own cleanup uh, event. Uh, two of those events will also have an associated uh, crab trap rodeo event, which is where we actually um, bring in the public, uh, try to get as many volunteers from different organizations, the commercial crab industry, uh, and other um, you know recreation fishermen, and get them together with us on a weekend. And we uh, do a big cleanup event. And at those events, that, that's typically where you see uh, all the signs put up. And, you know, we, we have people come in and sponsor and provide lunch at these events. Um, the, the, the one event in Barataria will have a um, 
volunteer event, the first Saturday of that event, and then there will be another one in uh, Calcasieu. Where will the location be in the one in Barataria? Uh, Jean Lafitte uh, bunk ramp is where it's going to be at, the marina there. What do people need to bring if they want to come out there? Are you encouraging people to bring their own boats, or are there boats people can get on to do? Or do they even need a boat? What kind of work and what kind of volunteers are you looking for? So all of the above. Um, If people want to bring their own boat and get involved with actually uh, going out and getting, you know, getting dirty, uh, you know, picking up uh, traps out in the marsh, um, you know, we we support that. Uh, If people want to come and we have room on department boats or other volunteer boats to show up, people can get on those vessels. If somebody just wants to show up, there's tons of work at the actual uh, disposal location. So the disposal location, one, we have to get everything set up. We have to get people checked in, both registered. Uh, some of the gear, common gear that we pass out or supply, like tarps. That way uh, people can lay them down and protect their boats. And um, when the traps actually start coming in, we have to unload and crush all the traps. So there's Give plenty us, of work to be um, even at the landing. Obviously, this is a very important project, and over those, I think you said six uh, days you have removal, what what do you, on average, pull? I mean, how important is this? Give us some examples of past uh, trap removal success. It varies. It does vary per basin. Um, definitely uh, the type of area we're closing, whether it be a lot of open water, uh, you know, it, it's harder to find traps in deeper open water. Um, these areas that are in big marsh areas, you know, we typically pick up a lot of traps. But um, I'll say over the past couple of years, past three years, we probably picked up over 4,000 traps each year wow. across the state. Yeah, that's that's significant for sure. Does a yes, volunteer uh, picking up traps, does he have to be concerned that he's going to be picking up a legal trap and having a problem from a crabber? You know, taking this trap. Well, uh, the, see, the rule is is that any trap within the closure area is at that time, whether it be an active trap or a derelict or abandoned trap, they are all considered abandoned at the time of the closure. So if somebody leaves them there, theoretically it is either derelict or abandoned. But what we do is uh, we get with enforcement. So we get with our enforcement division. If we see active traps, traps that are still baited, Traps that look really new. Um, nobody wants to take a livelihood away from a commercial fisherman. I mean, traps are forty, fifty dollars each. We understand that, so we'll get with enforcement anytime we see these traps uh, that are still in the closure area, and uh, you know, enforcement will come and do an investigation on that. What happens to the traps that are brought to the marinas? Uh, this time, um, uh, we we do have through. Uh, through statute, the ability to, for the commission, the Wildlife and Fisheries Commission, to determine the disposition of the traps. At this time, we have not developed a program uh, for some type of buyback, recycling, something something of that nature. So since we don't have that plan, all traps have to be disposed. So they're all smashed, and they're they're put in a dumpster and hauled off. And is that... uh objective done by volunteers do they participate in the smashing and stacking and loading correct okay 
Yeah, well, so you can use a lot of hands on this thing. All right, tell me about the, the, the rodeo event. How is that structured? What, what, how do you participate in a crab trap pickup rodeo? This is how you make it fun. Is it the, the largest trap, the most traps? The... <laughs> well, we don't, we don't do anything at this point. We don't have door prizes. I, I know that some of our, some of our outreach uh, organizations like using a sea grant, uh, they're actually working to see if they can can uh, obtain some some gifts to do door prizes, whether it be just a random green or whether it be whoever picks up the most traps. But at this time, we don't have that. Traditionally, for anybody participating, we either have a hat or shirt with our Baylor Crab Trap emblem on it or the logo. Uh, to sign up, there's actually on our website, uh, or you might have got a news release uh, through email, there's actually a link um, that you can go to and sign up for either both events or one or the other. Uh, th- this helps us to, you know, count the number of people that are going to be there, make sure we have sufficient supplies, and if somebody is providing lunch for this event, then it helps them to get a head count. But you could still just show up. You don't have to necessarily do the sign-in. And you are looking for sponsors for the rodeo events? Oh, yes, sir, yes. There's um, one of the news releases that went out back in uh, early December. It um, basically, you know, it gave all the information about the events, uh, the two rodeos, and said if you're willing to sponsor, you know, to contact me uh, at the department. And so, I mean, that's kind of how we do it. We just let, you know, the news carry, and if people want to sign up, then – uh, they're more than welcome to call me and, you know, let me know how they would like to sponsor one of the events. You know, uh, Peyton, in the past uh, I've had some listeners that have complained about this and said, you know, why should I go volunteer? Uh, this is the, the responsibility for the commercial crabbers. They're the ones that are capitalizing on it. Don't they pay their fair share in some way uh, of, of funding these trap removal programs? Yeah, so, so, so a portion of license sales – goes directly into the Derelict Crab Trap Fund. And so this fund uh, is what pays for all of our state effort. So every bit of effort we use, uh, you know, in fuel or in materials or uh, salaries, it all comes from the funding uh, from the license sales from the commercial crabbers. Okay, so we've got Pontchartrain Basin, Barataria, Calcasieu, Vermilion, and uh, a second one in the Pontchartrain area coming up, and all the dates are outlined. I'm sure it's available on the department's uh, website. What should they look for? Is there a special icon or link from uh, Derelict Crab Trap Program listed on the main menu of the website? Uh, not on the main menu, but um, also there was a, there's a terrible closure too. Um, if you just go to our website and you go to commercial fisheries uh, and go to crab, then one of the little there's a, there'll be a little button in the middle of the screen that will say "Daily Contract Program." All right, very good. Uh, anything else we missed? Anything you want to add? No, I don't believe so. I mean, but like like we mentioned, if if anybody you know out there is interested and would like to sign up, you know, you can find information about signing up uh, on our website. You can see the different events. And, uh, you know, if anybody's wanting to sponsor, they can just contact me at the department. And anybody who's an outdoorsman, this is a benefit to you also. As Don mentioned, you know, by retrieving these traps, you're helping 
the fish population, the crab population, and preventing unnecessary loss. So it's not just for the cleanup efforts, it's for the whole ecosystem. Peyton, thanks for being with us and explaining the program, and I'm sure you'll be available if people have any further information they want. Hopefully you'll pick up some sponsors, get those rodeo rolling, and we get a lot of volunteers. Uh, They've been very successful in years past and don't see any reason why they wouldn't this year. Yes, sir, no problem. Thank you for having me. All righty, thanks again. Peyton Cagle with the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. All right, we're going to get back to some of these text messages and uh, tell you what's coming up in the next hour of More Outdoors right after this timeout. Stick around. Don Dubuque and Martha Spencer on a foggy Saturday morning. They're whacking ducks, aren't they? I'm they are. pictures being sent in and they're flying in out of the fog and you know, got some people on deer leases taking shots and kids hunting squirrels. What a great time of the year. We'll be right back with more of More Outdoors. Well, Martha, we just talked uh, about a couple of projects, you know, programs, uh, the adding of special use permit fees for National Wildlife Refuges and also the Derelict Crab Trap Program. What do you think about them? What do you think about the fee proposal? Is it in good in the form it's in? you think it needs to be fine-tuned or modified in any way? No, I like it. I think um, I think it's a minimum fee. I don't think it's very expensive. And I think if you're just a one-time visitor, $5 is literally, you know, two cans of soda. So at this point, you know, think of it in the sense – that it's it's going somewhere purpose it's coming back to you don't look at it as just another fee i mean this is this is something that's genuinely being put towards making the place better for you and preserving what's there as far as the crab traps i mean it's it's hard sometimes to get people to do things just for the good of doing something so if you wanted to you know give back and you wanted to make it fun get a group of friends make it a fun event go out to lunch afterwards just you know feel good about what you're doing so you're preserving once again not just getting trash out of the swamps but you're helping the fishery and the ecosystem and all that's going to pay dividends you know decades from now when you're passing it along to somebody else if you've got an opinion on either of those projects call us or text us the phone number is 504-260-6368 or you can uh, send us a text message at 870-870 on the proposal of the fees um I would be in favor of a 365-day value. Yes. Uh, I think that's important. I think that they need to make it readily and easily available with a lot of signage of where the sites are. And, you know, a lot of these refuges, when you pull up on it, if you see a sign, a lot of them don't have good cell service, so you may not be able to get So you would the, say the permit. Uh, one year from date of purchase? Right. Okay. Instead of like we have in Louisiana right. where it's a calendar year because you could be paying right. $20 and for then one week. It gets so complicated between the different dates for hunting licenses, the different dates for fishing licenses. Just make it something that you don't have to compare it to what other what other seasons and passes you need. So I think I think that's a good idea as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, some other things too. Again, the, the easy accessibility to get the permit. That's right. One that's thing. important because, and yeah. Because they choose some of these companies, you know, they need a way you got a phone number. Why not have a phone number with a real person and give a credit card? Yeah. You know, and that that is so much easier. Uh, so I hope they make the right choice when they when they do that. Um, as far as uh, you know, other discounts and stuff, you know, eh, it's not bringing you know. in that much money anyway. I mean, when yeah. he said they're anticipating a hundred thousand for the state, I thought that area. was low. One hundred fifty thousand dollars with all the people. It that sounds use very those, low. Yeah, those things get a lot of heavy use from and and here. don't just. You know, think you can scoot by because you're not going to get enforced or you're just going to pay the fee when you do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Be a good person. Do it if you know in good faith that you're going on the property. Another issue I'd like them to consider, too, is non-resident fee. Maybe it should be different. 
Um, you know, if you're coming in from out of state and you don't have a vested interest here in the, the area and you're just enjoying it, maybe it should be a little higher for for non-residents, you know, yeah, as opposed to residents. But, you know, they don't think like that on a federal level. Right. They think everybody's the same. It's all federal and there's no state lines and no counties and parishes. So maybe that's something to consider. All right. We got some text questions and comments. Yeah, this is a good question. Um, someone wants to know in, in reference to buying live bait. Good morning. Are you supposed to tip the bait person when buying live bait? And if so, how much? I'd say that's at your discretion. Sure. But I'm sure it would never be discouraged. Those people are up, you know, before sunrise. A couple of dollars wouldn't hurt here and there. Well, and, you know, it depends on the quality of the service they give. Right. You know, if they're friendly and they, exactly. they seem to be in a hurry because they know everybody's in a hurry and uh, they're going to throw out any ones that look a little sickly and kind of give you the benefits, you know, why not? Why not? Certainly, it's anything that's service related. I don't think it's discouraged at all. Not at all. Not at all. All right, we have a, a 1970s Black Panther was shot in Gum Bayou. Um, well, I'd like to see the photograph of it, and uh, you know, that certainly should have been documented. I don't know. And a lot of these are just these, you know, stories that get passed down and retold. And you know, every time they're told, sometimes it gets a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a gum bayou, a black panther. Well, it would be the first one in North America. There's never been one recorded. All right, uh, hopefully everyone has had a chance, or if not, they're going to watch Bayou Wild TV this week. Miss Louisiana, Megan Cruz, and uh, her friend Kaylee McCoyne uh, came down from North Louisiana, had never been in fishing in South Louisiana. They got into some bull redfish with Ryan cooked some redfish rind and ate some deep some Cajun cuisine down at the Cajun Fishing Adventures. And it's on this week's edition. You can always watch it at Bayou Wild uh, TV slash YouTube. These uh, girls already get my vote because, you know, <laughs> people typecast those pageant girls and put them into one category. But they were not afraid to get their hands dirty oh, no, and get into it. And they had a great time. Well, she came back and she wants to go frogging with Yeah, her, so, absolutely. You know. Come on down. She's no uh, girly girl. All right. We got uh, t- today at 9 o'clock this morning. It'll be on Cox Sports TV. That's about a little over an hour from now. Uh, then on uh, tomorrow at 8 a.m., then again uh, tomorrow night, which is our regular time, 7, 7 p.m. on Sunday nights, and then Wednesday, 10.30 p.m., and Thursday, a regular time, 7 p.m., and then Friday, a special airing at 6.30 in the morning. Those are all on Cox Sports TV. Sundays, it's on, uh, actually Saturdays, it was on early this morning at 4 a.m., WUPL Channel 54 in New Orleans. You can also watch it on uh, WBRZ Channel 2 in Baton Rouge at 6.30 Saturday mornings. Bayou Wild TV. Check it out. And, uh, you know, we'd love to hear from you. We have a website. Go to BayouWildTV.com. And you can kind of zone out on them. You know, we've got the whole, all the back episodes are there. Got a suggestion here, a text coming in. Someone says, having experienced catching a crab trap in the prop of my brand new engine several years ago, just tell the participants, be sure they have a good pair of cutting pliers in the boat when they participate. That, that's probably something that will be supplied, I'm guessing, if they're jumping on somebody else's boat to go. Well, maybe next uh, hour we can suggest that as a Christmas gift. A bolt good, cutters? You got, you got some good <laughs> pliers, no, cutting pliers. Don't you have some cutters? Wire yeah, but they, they, they won't, won't cut. cut no, they're more for fishing Well, let me line. tell you, if you're lucky, and I've been lucky a couple of times, if you put that engine in reverse you can get it spin out. it, you can spin it off, it'll come off. But if it's wrapped in there tight and it ain't spinning off, uh, it's nasty getting down there in the water, muddy water, get your hand on a cold day. I mean, when you think about it, derelict crab traps that they're left there, they're littering. You're, you know, that they're, that's pollution. Well, but 
you know, it's a little It's hard when they get away from you. Yeah, yeah, they don't intentionally lose them. No. Nobody intentionally no. loses a 40 or $50 trap. Um, but, you know, they do need to come out of it. Hey, if they're still in good shape, does the does Well, that's get what he said. Yeah. He said they haven't developed a program for estimating, you know, Value. whether they can refurbish them or whether they're in good shape where they can resell them. And that would open up a can of worms because... You know, if they've got numbers and everything on it, which they're supposed to have, mm-hmm. license numbers, then they should return them to the owners. And if they sell it, does the owner get reimbursed? So I'm sure there's a lot of details they're working on that. All right, we're going to get some help. we got some reinforcements coming here next hour. Keith Lusher is going to join us. Keith is the host of the North Shore Fishing Report radio show. He's also got a website with the same name, North Shore Fishing Report. And it's pretty comprehensive about all that goes on fishing and some hunting, too, all across from the Slidell area all the way to Lake Morapai, everything north of that. And little things on the south, he covers a little bit of south shore fishing because sometimes those north shore fishermen love to fish Lake Catherine, the Wrigley's, and he's got a lot of information there. Wendy, the Bayou woman, Bill Yacht, who is the president, current president of the Louisiana Outdoor Writers Association, is going to join us. And we're going to talk about some gift ideas Favorite Christmas gifts, maybe give you some ideas if you stump for someone on your shopping list. And also talk about some uh, holiday foods that go along good with hunting and fishing. You know, it's all open this time of year, duck, deer, small game, goose. Uh, You've also got all some pretty good fishing, both fresh and salt water. So the table and the freezer should be full. We'll be back with the final hour of our four-hour block of programming. More outdoors heard on WWL 105.3 FM HD2. We also live stream on theoutdoorsguide.com and on radio.com. If you're a regular listener you've been listening to us online, tell your friends about the show. Tell them how to get it. A lot of folks need a little help finding it if you're not all that uh, technically savvy. Yeah, yeah, it's actually mobile. Yeah, good deals. All right, we'll be back with the final hour of More Outdoors right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.